We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 135. Today we have the official cancellation and renewals from the 2011-2012 TV season to talk about. And then we'll be discussing the season finales of Castle, The Big Bang Theory, Fringe, Once Upon a Time and the recent flashback episode of Revenge. You can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 135. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Carla Day from tvdiehard.com, clickclack.com, and tvfanatic.com. Oh, that's my my cue, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Daniel from tvaddict.com. What, only one place? Come yeah, on. I, I feel like I feel like such a slacker <laughs> compared to Carla. Okay, so first up, this week is Upfronts Week, so they're announcing all the new fall schedule. You know, the fall 2012 schedule. But we'll be covering that next week on the podcast once everybody's made their official announcements. But with that coming up, all the networks have talked about, uh, have put out what shows have officially been canceled and what shows they've officially picked up. Uh, We just won't know where they're putting them necessarily until uh, later this week for all the different networks. So we'll just go through uh, all the shows. I kind of broken them down into uh, each network for all the shows that are now, uh, were once on the schedule at some time during the 2011-12 TV season. And so for ABC, ABC has canceled Charlie's Angels, Cougar Town, technically, but that'll be moving to TBS. Uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, GCB, Man Up, Missing, Pan Am, The River, and Work It. And then they have renewed America's Funniest Home Videos, The Bachelor, Body of Proof, Castle, Dancing with the Stars, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, Grey's Anatomy, Happy Endings, Last Man Standing, The Middle, Modern Family, Once Upon a Time, Private Practice, Revenge, Scandal, Shark Tanks, Suburgatory, and Wife Swap. Uh, any of those that got canceled that you wish would have gotten uh, another chance and uh, any of the ones that got renewed that you're sort of surprised have uh, got renewed? I like when they say like, because people are doing all these like announcements on their websites, like like what's been canceled, what hasn't, and they're like they include things like Charlie's Angels or th- things that were gone, or like Pan Am. People really were expecting Pan Am to like somehow come back on the schedule, but I mean it's pretty it's it's become pretty standard. I like I mean the only thing that someone could really have been surprised about was maybe Body of Proof, but. I mean, I, I just know from my predictions. I was in terms of ABC. I was pretty. I was pretty perfect, not to toot my own horn. But I mean, you kind of know what's doing well. It's not doing and not doing well. Yeah, I agree. I think you know people really wanted. There was this push online for Pan Am to get renewed, and you know ABC had had said, you know, no, it's not canceled. But pretty much, unless their development sked was horrible, it was not getting picked up. It was canceled, though. They just never say, you know, like that's the thing that when people say that, oh, they haven't canceled it. I'm like, yes, they took it off the schedule after 13 episodes. If anyone actually thought and people did, like people would tweet me. I mean, my God, somebody just tweeted me to bring back the finder today. Like, like, honestly, like, you know, it's when you're taken off the schedule 
after 13 episodes, you are pretty much done. And yeah, and if you get pulled off before that, <laughs> it's, it's even worse. It's even worse news. Yeah, within that, I'm. I think yeah, Body of Proof is probably the only one that you're like, oh, they actually put that on for another season. That that one seemed like it might not, because uh, it seemed to really had fallen off. And then was you know pretty happy with the uh, Cougar Town moving to TBS. It seems like a, a good spot uh, as they They'll try get promoted and, there at least. As they try and bolster their. Uh, you know, original comedy uh, lineup over the, you know, they've they've got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline coming out over the next couple of years. They've got it sort of in the pipeline to to do more than just the Ty- Tyler Perry shows and, and stuff like that for uh, uh, original comedy. They're actually renaming the show Tyler Perry Presents Cougar Town now, just, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> if it got it a 100-episode order, you know, that would be... <laughs> TBS paid um, Conan a nice chunk of change to have it come over and kind of legitimize their comedy business, but they've done a really poor job thus far of building anything around them. And I don't mean to stereotype or anything, but I don't know if the same people who watch the Tyler Perry comedies are watching Conan. So, I mean, TBS has to really, I think I think it was a really smart move to bring Cougar Town because I think the audience for Cougar Town and Conan are far more compatible. Yeah, and I think they're trying to do that multiple where there's they have stuff in that last hour leading into Conan, you know, on multiple nights uh, where it's not just, you know, reruns of How I Met Your Mother or Big Bang Theory or whatever it is that they're playing. All right. So move over to uh, CBS and uh, CBS has canceled uh, A Gifted Man, CSI Miami, NYC 22, uh, Rob and Unforgettable. And then they have... Uh, renewed, Two Broke Girls, 48 Hours, 60 Minutes, The Amazing Race, The Big Bang Theory, Blue Bloods, Criminal Minds, CSI, CSI New York, The Good Wife, Hawaii Five-O, How I Met Your Mother, The Mentalist, Mike and Molly, NCIS, NCIS Los Angeles, Person of Interest, Survivor, Two and a Half Men, and Undercover Boss. Uh, any of those in the... I was actually kind of surprised that you never know, you know, the financial things and all that stuff behind, but just from the surface it seemed really odd that CSI Miami would be the one that got canceled between the two CSI spinoffs but other than that it seemed pretty straightforward what was gonna, <laughs> what was going to happen I can there. tell you it made my mother very happy she was she wanted CSI New York renewed and CSI Miami canceled so that made her day yesterday mother's day but what i heard is CSI Miami was just more expensive to make yeah i think just because they're farther along uh, season wise and things get more you know more expensive as as series go on uh, which to me I think is is dumb to me it seems if you're making a show and you keep paying people more and more as it goes along but that increases your chance of canceling the show getting the show canceled it seems like your economics are out of whack and <laughs> how you do things well, it, it is funny because they um, – I don't know where I read this, but they – like there's a point where mathematically it no longer makes sense to run a show like after a sixth or seventh season. And I mean that's why you see so much in long-running shows where like a lot of the – like Lisa Edelstein, for instance, left house because, you know, like it just – it's there's no point. They don't want to lose that much money on it. It wouldn't make a difference if apparently if she was there or not, and uh, yeah, it's kind of sucks if you're a CSI Miami fan. But hey, ten years, you know, yeah. that's 
pretty amazing. Ten years of CSI Miami, I've never seen a single episode <laughs> of that or CSI New York. Of the two, CSI New York has always been the better show. Like, it's uh, less, I don't know, very wooden and stiff CSI Miami for being <laughs> set in in Miami. But uh, it's uh, CSI Miami, Miami is like the, the, the secret life of the American teenager of uh, crime procedurals. <laughs> Okay, so we'll move on to uh, the CW. And uh, the CW has now uh, canceled uh, Hater, Remodeled, Ringer, and The Secret Circle. And then they have renewed 90210, America's Next Top Model, Gossip Girl, Heart of Dixie, Nikita, Supernatural, and The Vampire Diary. Uh, any any surprises there? Um, No, not really. I mean, Nikita and Heart of Dixie were kind of like, I don't know the the perception out there. I think was that those were the 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 two shows on the network whose chances were they were they were on the bubble. And uh, I'm happy they I'm I'm quite happy that uh, they renewed both of them. And Nikita, obviously, it does well. I mean, the CW nobody nobody actually watches the network. So uh, the parent companies Warner Brothers and CBS make all their money off foreign licensing and DVDs and digital. So Nikita, Maggie Q obviously has uh, a very marketable name around the world. Heart of Dixie Heart of Dixie has outperformed formed its leading gossip girl pretty much all season long which i think is fantastic and i'm happy that like i was i was a little nervous for it because it has no name brand it has no, it's not based on a book it's not based on a movie like most it's not based on a reboot of another series like most of the cw's shows so i was a little wor- worried for it but i'm i'm quite happy that it got renewed because it kind of at least for me it kind of harkens back to the the wb shows that i've loved like a gilmore girls or an everwood or that type of thing so i'm 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 happy that the cw renewed it yeah, it's nice to see that it got a it got an actual full season, and then it's getting renewed because they've had a couple of shows over the last couple of years that have harkened back to that sort of WB, you know, those type of shows with like Life Unexpected and stuff like that. That got a second season, but it was only thirteen episodes for each season, so it really it's, it's nice to see a show that sort of has that feeling of some of those shows that uh, we all really liked. Uh, you know the Everwoods and and stuff like that actually get another full season uh, on top of a full season, and I'm really happy that Nikita is coming back. Uh, I'm surprised a little bit. I'm not surprised that they canceled the Secret Circle. I'm sort of surprised that that dropped off so much over the course of the season. Oh, it was horrible. It was just horrible. <laughs> Sorry. I find something incredibly uninteresting about witches. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but whenever shows introduce witches, like I, I don't, I don't like witches on the Vampire Diaries. I just, I don't know. There's something about them that I tried to watch the Secret Circle a bit just because I kind of wanted to support uh, Britt from Life Unexpected and Thomas from uh, Terminator and Gail Harold and Natasha. Like they had a good cast, but. It just was flat, and I was bored, and I'm getting too old to waste hours on this type of thing. I don't know what it is. The storytelling was just bad. Sorry. No, no, no. You don't have to be sorry. I didn't mean to call. I thought he was done. No, no, no. Believe me, whatever I was going to say wasn't that interesting, so (laughs) feel free to interrupt me anytime. I have to say, I I never worried about Nikita because, first of all, the WB brought Nikita to C2E2 last month. And I interviewed um, Craig Silverstein, and and he seemed pretty positive about a renewal. And then um, 
about a week and a half before they were making announcements, there were ads all over for Nikita in like Variety and Hollywood Reporter. And you don't outlay that kind of money if you're going to cancel a show. Yeah, just just to try and get people to watch the the, the last couple episodes or something. Well, but they were in it, they were in industry papers. They weren't in. It wasn't like they you know they put an ad in the Chicago Tribune. It was in Variety and Hollywood Reporter, but. Then also, um, they make they get a lot of views overseas and get you know, I don't know. And the CW, their their ratings, I really think that they don't use Nielsen the same way as other networks do. They're really pushing people now to watch online um, and watch on your mobile phone. And I think they're getting a lot of views that way. So I think over the next season, it'll be interesting to see how that plays into their renewals. But I'm really happy about Heart of Dixie. I don't usually watch shows and notice particularly for the sexy men that are on there, but it's hard to ignore on Heart of Dixie. Although I'm just going to say I really think Scott Porter's let himself go since being on the show. You know, uh, he's. He, it's funny because, like, you know, if you've ever been to a set, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of food. Like, you really can eat. There's between craft service, which is like the snack bar for those people who don't really know, and it's always stocked. Versus and the meals, you really can eat all day long. And I feel like certain actors. I mean, there's certain actors who know that half the reason they're on the show is for their six pack, so they make it their business to keep in shape. Now, there's other actors who realize that, like. They're just kind of likable. And Scott Porter has taken the latter approach, and <laughs> he's definitely put on the freshman 15 since the show started. That's that's all I'm going to say. Maybe it has so, to do like, with the fact that he was getting married, too, so now he doesn't, you know. That, to... Yes, it, was, it, it, worked in the, it worked with the character. That's an excellent point. <laughs> well, no, in real life, too. He's oh, getting, I didn't know he's getting so... married in real life. <laughs> I thought you were so... talking about the show. So all around, it's just working. All around. He's pretty much, there's no reason for him to really focus on the whole <laughs> diet. But, you know, I, I don't usually talk about people's appearance because who am I to judge? Well, I don't know if you've ever noticed, though, after the first season of a show in the second season, if you ever watch almost every show, it's no fail, is that the women get skinnier and the men, you know, chunk up a little bit. Oh, that's funny. Just, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to look for that. I haven't noticed that, but that's hilarious. Yes, it's like the the female actresses like notice themselves on camera, and all of a sudden are like, "Oh man, I need to like." And then the guys are like, hey, "Maybe it's the craft services that does it." <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I think it's an interesting trend to watch. So that's totally off topic. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to Fox, which has canceled Alcatraz, Alan Gregory, Breaking In, The Finder, I Hate My Teenage Daughter, Napoleon Dynamite, and Terra Nova, and has renewed American Dad, American Idol, Bob's Burgers, Bones, The Cleveland Show, Family Guy, Fringe, Glee, Kitchen Nightmares, New Girl, Raising Hope, The Simpsons, Touch, and The X Factor will all be coming back again next season. Any Anything that you would have liked to have seen come back or anything that surprised you that it is coming back? Alcatraz, it's gone. So sad. Okay, not really all that sad, but I really was hoping that they would pick Alcatraz up to uh, take over midseason for Fringe's time slot. I really think it could have done, 
it set up a really great premise in the first season and it could have built on that in the second season and even built an audience if they approached it right. So that was a little disappointing. Well, they might have got an audience if they actually had built on the premise in the first season. Yeah, I, I think, think they, they really did. Squ- I think they squandered an incredible premise. I mean, I am the first person to jump on a J.J. Abrams top-line show with, like, Jorge Garcia and Sam Neill. Like, great cast. The premise, like, was incredible. But I just was bored. I, I, I really, I really, really wanted to like this show. I, I, I just found that they tried to go – like, it was like with Fringe's first season when they tried to be all procedural. And that's really not my type of show. And I just – I gave up, you know? Like, there's a lot of TV and there's only so much time. But is that the network's fault or is that the producer's fault? Because I think that that is like an overwhelming problem with shows like that that want to be. I think it's a combination of the two because they made some changes from the original pilot and they also made some changes behind the scenes of who was running the show and writing the show and stuff. And the the show became slightly different in some iteration from when they picked it up to when it actually aired. And so whether, you know, the network, whoever was all really responsible the, there's the middle part of the season where i don't mind procedural stuff the problem is is they had this big backstory type stuff and there were too many episodes that didn't hook into that storyline at all really it didn't seem to really provide any information uh where it just seemed like they were just tracking the next guy down that it showed up and they weren't doing anything about why you know what was happening and then the last two episodes were like did something that turned it into a show that you're like, yeah, I want to see more of that. But it was too late by then. Nobody was watching because in the middle part, uh, they didn't, they didn't give you anything to, there was, there was no like buzz to being created about this cool story. It was what's going on. And they're not really, they're just tracking down the returning of the week and, you know, people lost interest in it. And so I think if you're going to do the hybrid, like they seem to think that you need to do where people can check in and out or whatever, I think that's the stupidest thing ever. Why would you ever create a show that people could just tune in and out at whenever and it not make any difference? Like then it it has just as easy – that type of show has just an easy don't watch it as it is I think I'll watch it. That, that reasoning just makes no sense to me. If you're going to do a show that has a backstory like that, you've got to, you know, you've got to give a decent portion of, of each show to that, you know, of, of building, building that story, I think. It's incredibly hard to do the hybrid, and I think Person of Interest deserves a lot of credit for doing it right this season. Yes, I agree. Yeah, they, they don't just uh, – the, the way they tell a story, too, is they do it – little bits within the episode they tell some backstory or or some other thing to fill in stuff it's not like it doesn't feel tacked on at the end like with some shows some shows you're like watch 40 minutes of yeah they've caught this one and then you get two minutes at the end of of something happens with the 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 big backstory and so yeah it feels totally tacked on and like they're just trying to they're not really involved in it uh, the way they tell a story on Person of Interest, where they tell little bits of that story throughout an episode, it actually works with what they're telling you in the episode, you know, like what's going on now, and and then also fills in backstory and and uh, what's going on, and 
they have done it. Uh, yeah, that's much better on doing that. You still have whatever the problem of the week is, but it's much more interesting uh, the way they do it. Uh, let's see. Uh, the yeah, like I was saying that, that Fringe was the one I was happy to see that they got another season. And you know, I'm perfectly fine if it's the final season, uh, but I'm glad that they're knowing ahead of time. <laughs> another show like this that's they that it's gone this long. That I'm happy that, but we can talk more about that when uh, since that's one of the shows we're talking about in the primetime segment. I'm surprised at the amount of um, I know I didn't like the Finder. I found it like too I don't know it was too quirky I didn't like the girl I just it didn't work for me but I'm really surprised that given the ratings kind of the outcry that I'm seeing about the finder that's the one show that seems to be getting the most why is that canceled and you know from friends that aren't that don't talk about TV what do you mean the finder is not coming back and I'm just kind of like oh you like that show okay you must have been one of the few that were actually watching it yeah the the finder had I, the quirkiness and stuff like that, I didn't mind. I actually liked the Finder character, like what they sort of developed there. It was all the stuff ar- around that with the the gypsy girl and stuff like that that never really. I'll say it again. It never made sense that a exactly teen, <laughs> that a teen girl on probation <laughs> would be allowed to live on her own in a trailer next to a bar and work in that bar where her guardian was was a guy. You know, that <laughs> it just. It, it made no sense. The show would never have even made it onto air had Emily Deschanel not gotten pregnant in real life. I'm pretty, I feel like that's all you need to be. That's all that really needs to be said about the show. It, it, yeah, it was 13 episodes of, of filler to, <laughs> to to save space while uh, you know while, yeah while they were waiting for Emily Deschanel to be able to come back. Wow, you both could say your last name right. I can't say it right. I'm impressed. <laughs> okay, so on to NBC. Uh, NBC has canceled Are You There, Chelsea, Awake, Bent, Best Friends Forever, The Firm, Free Agents, Harry's Law, The Playboy Club, and Prime Suspect. And NBC has renewed 30 Rock, The Biggest Loser, Celebrity Apprentice, Community, Fashion Star, Grimm, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, The Office, Parenthood, Parks and Rec, Smash, Up All Night, The Voice, and Whitney. (laughs) I have to say, of all the things... I think I'm even more surprised that Whitney came back than Community came back. I have to say, anyone who's surprised that Whitney came back, A, didn't watch Whitney. Um, Actually, that's all I have. Really? I have to tell you, like, I originally, when Whitney was announced last year, you know, know, everyone's like, NBC is trying to replicate CBS. They're trying to do a traditional comedy. This is going to be horrible. And it it wasn't very good in the beginning. But over the course of the season, I really found that Whitney gelled. I think they found an interesting voice. The cast became a lot more likable um, than the original premise, which really had Whitney kind of shrill and like, oh, I hate marriage, I hate tradition, blah, blah, blah. I really think the show evolved, and I'm not the least bit surprised that it came back, especially when you factor in the fact that it was it, more people watched it than most of uh, NBC's Thursday Night lineup. Yeah. It outperformed everything on Thursday on Wednesday. Well, it seemed to have dropped off so much and that it wasn't really doing anything. It, it was, I guess it was more of a surprise in that they picked up so many like new comedies and stuff like that that 
that and then they brought back so many you know with up all night as well and, and you know in community that they just, they have uh well you know they have a lot of comedies to put on, to, to put on uh in the new season it's going to be like the it's going to be national broadcasting comedy <laughs> yeah. network which i'm fine with if they're if they're good you know uh yeah i was excited parenthood's back i really love parenthood it's um you know, I wish I was part of the Braverman family if I had to choose another family other than my own. It's just such – it's just such an I – I can't even describe how much I love that show. I agree. It's I'm like, thrilled. I was con- I was super worried when there were some rumors that it wasn't on the schedule and I, I absolutely adore Parenthood. It, it is a family – drama and it's not like a, I mean it is dysfunctional but it's not like cable dysfunctional where they're it's all not like shameless dysfunctional yeah, which, <laughs> it's not shameless dysfunctional which I also absolutely love for di- entirely too. different reasons but it's nice to have this show about that it feels real it feels it, you 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 can kind of see your own family in the Bravermans and their extended family and it wasn't the highest rated show but and I'm sure it's not on a cheap show considering the cast but i'm I'm thrilled that parenthood's back and it's yeah it's nbc they have they have so so many problems and i know we're not here to talk about uh what they just announced but the only thing that i foresee that foresee them getting the only thing that i foresee like turning things around for them is to have a like a modern family or something like that on their schedule and I, i unfortunately i don't think they did it this season but you guys can talk about that next week yeah, I'm I'm happy that Parenthood's back. It's it's you know it's one of the better shows on TV that has never been able to draw an audience. I I say this on every once in a while. There's certain shows that just make me wonder what it is that people are are looking for. Uh, you know, because there's other shows. Uh, I'm totally blanking on what's the what was the family drama that followed Desperate Housewives on uh, that uh, GCB. No, that, that from last season got canceled. Uh, you know, had uh, Emily Van brother and, and sisters, yeah, brother, sisters. brother and sisters. You know, see that that had a pretty large audience for a, a decent number of years and stuff like that, and it was good in in a certain way. But it was also Parenthood is like almost even more relatable. Oh, 100%. in the family in the family drama stuff. Yet they still do some out there episodes on occasion and stuff, but. But why that show hasn't been able to draw, you know, that that family drama audience uh, to it uh, is is sort of one of those that I have never been able to uh, to figure out. Maybe it's not soapy enough. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know. But then you have stuff like, uh, you know, you have stuff like GCB and stuff like that that are or you know that are really soapy that that you know don't really draw a huge audience or they do at first and then it drops off. Uh, but uh, I don't know. On the disappointment, I'm disappointed that this will be the only season of Awake. I really like that show. And then I, uh, it's like beating a dead horse, but man, NBC really screwed over Bent. Is Bent the one that only had the six episodes? Yeah, the six episodes they played over three weeks. Yeah, I never watched it, so I can't really comment. But I just thought that whole thing was kind of weird, which is why I think I never even bothered to watch it. It's weird. The, the mid-season shows, when are not even the mid-season, the, the spring premiere shows, I mean, it's got to really suck to be a con- anything that's held back till March or April because that's pretty much 
the sign that, with the exception of Scandal, which got a surprise, I, I would say, I would say a surprise renewal. It, you, like it's like the the network has no confidence in you. Like CBS, NYC twenty twenty or NYC twenty two, they always like burn off some sort of drama at the end of March April. For the past few years, like Miami Medical or Harper, like those shows never come back. It's got to stink to be like, oh yeah, we're shooting the show. When's the premiere in April? Okay, good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like a Bent too. Like I, I really enjoyed Bent, but it's. I mean, this if. If you saw any of NBC's upfront presentation today, they're all about broad and accessible, and Bent is not broad and accessible. It's like a niche comedy that very few people watched, and sadly, very yeah, very you know, it's a funny show, but you know, funny isn't enough anymore in the current television landscape. It has to be more on proof. Uh, yeah, I don't know what what exactly it is but it just seemed like the the cast that they had there you know with like Amanda Pete and stuff like that that uh, that apparently they were even in at one point they were in a bidding war to like get this comedy and get Amanda Pete and then to do what they did with the show it just it's one of those things that makes you go that's why NBC is in last place as they do this type of stuff is you get into a bidding war that you ultimately don't even give a shot to. That's the type of stuff. And, you know, like, like I said, we're not really talking about upfronts, but given what they've announced and the number of shows that they're holding back, it gives me no confidence in much of their season in much of their new shows because they're holding most of it for mid season. <laughs> well, mid season, I don't think is so much of a problem when they launch in January. And I think that we're going to end up seeing that become more and more common because even if you listen to the Fox, um, well, that's one thing, Fox but they, Day, they, you know? they keep so much stuff back though, that you have some stuff like a smash that premiered early and that, that makes it, but everything else that pretty much premiered later, uh, it gets right in the smack of, as the season's winding down, it's not a good time, really, to me, to get somebody to change. Like, they're already watching something, you know, for the most part. Yeah, uh, that's true. Get them to to move over to another, to check something else out just seems odd in, in like, April. And I just know that some of those comedies and some of that stuff is not going to appear until, you know, it's not all going to show up on their schedule in in January and February. Okay, so... Uh, the only other ones are uh, this past season had the series finales of Chuck House and One Tree Hill, and the only other show that I haven't seen anything about uh, is Rules of Engagement. Seems to be the only show that hasn't been officially canceled or renewed yet uh, from this past TV season. And that same thing happened last season, too. It's the Rodney Dangerfield of uh, <laughs> primetime television. It gets no respect. But it, it is my it is my guilty pleasure. Um, I've been watching it for years. It's a fun. I, I just it's kind of silly and stupid, but I enjoy it, and I, I really think it deserves to be back because it performs quite well with absolutely zero promotion Wherever uh, every single year. And like odds are, something on CBS will be canceled, or they'll need to go into repeats. So you know, I would say I, I don't think it costs the network a lot of money. Um, I, I personally would renew it, but I guess we'll find out on Wednesday. Yeah, it it just seems like the one that would definitely get – you would think it would get renewed just based on the fact that no matter what night they've put it, it does solid numbers. Like just you just put it someplace and people tend to watch it like for whatever reason. Uh, it's not like they're necessarily seeking it out, but it gets a big number. And so I would think that the production company would 
be pretty close to, uh, you know, since it's been on so long, that they would want to do whatever they could to make it go. So they have a lot of episodes because it definitely seems like a show that would do really well in syndication, like that stations and and cable networks and stuff would be interested in having that show based on the way that it performs. That if you put a couple episodes on a night uh, here and there, it would, uh, you know, people would watch. Okay, so let's jump into the uh, primetime segment, talking about a few shows from the week of Monday, May 7th through Sunday, May 13th. And the first show on our list is Castle, Season 4, Episode 23, Always, the season finale. So, uh, what'd you think, Daniel? Um, I, I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I, I really like the fact that, unlike other procedurals that shall not be named, Castle did not drag out Castle <laughs> and Beckett's Will They or Won't They for another two seasons. Um, it, it really was time. And it's weird because I kind of I actually watched the show twice, um, which I don't often do because I watch a lot of TV and don't have a lot of time to do that. <laughs> and initially I didn't – I came away respecting the fact that they brought the two together but not actually enjoying the episode – I don't know. I, I find Castle is a, a solid show that comes in many different flavors. Um, they, they they do their like kind of lighthearted, funny episodes. They do the darker ones. And I don't know. I'm not really a huge fan of the darker ones. I don't love Beckett's Search for Her Mother's Killer episodes so much. So, so, like I'd much prefer Castle, Nathan Fillion, Crack Wise About Zombies. So in that sense, I, I didn't love the episode. Um, and I also... For some reason, I, I didn't. It's, I, this will sound odd because I'm so we've, we're getting back on this, but I, I don't really think I feel Nathan Fillion's one of those actors who's really let himself go over the years on the show, and I didn't really find their uh, their little makeout session particularly uh, <laughs> well done or um, <laughs> as exciting as I'm sure other fans may have, but. I do, and I also, it was so predictable in the sense that Beckett was like, I'm quitting. Like, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I just saw that. So I knew that was how the episode was going to end, and I can't stand when I predict things from TV because I expect people who write multi-million dollar television shows to be smarter than me. So it was it, it was good, though. I mean, it was time for them to get together. I'm, cur- I'm curious how they'll handle it next season. I think they'll handle it well because I actually think uh, Andrew Marlowe and his team are quite smart in that sense. But it, it, it wasn't, the greatest finale, I I will say. I think it was one of the best finales in a long time. Though this season has had a bunch of really good finales uh, since then, since Castle aired too. So I, maybe I didn't notice like any awkwardness at the end because like I was bawling so much that like I couldn't see through the tears and my you know barely being able to breathe that I was so you know emotionally just stressed over the the whole thing but i i really liked i liked the way it played out um i particularly liked the scene um at the police station and i thought nathan fillion did a brilliant job when he when he kind of told beckett about the secret that he's been keeping and um when he said you know i love you but you already know that um I thought that that was really, really well done um, and just, like, hit your heart, you know. And it was kind of the um, 
in a lot of ways, that was almost the climax of the episode versus the end. But um, I just loved it. I loved the way that it went. And I've read um, from that, unlike uh, other shows, which we won't name, that we will actually get to see them wake up in the morning, most likely, when it premieres. That that they want the fans to be able to enjoy the relationship instead of having it all happen off screen. So I'm looking forward to it coming back and seeing how it'll play out. I think they do these, they've done the episodes that involve the Beckett mother storyline. They do them really well. I think this, you know, this episode I think was really good in that storyline, but I'm a little bit like on with Daniel in that I'm kind of played out on that storyline. Like I think that, this next season that they need to wrap that up now that they've put them together, that, that other storyline, they need to find some other, if they need some sort of overarching story to continue, then they need to find a different one. Uh, they need to, to wrap this up in some way. And because it just keeps getting bigger, uh, you know, it gets, it's bigger and bigger that now it, you know, there has to be something, it almost feels like sooner or later you get to a point where whatever they find out is going to be really, that's, that's what all this has been about, uh, that they, they're creating such a big, uh, thing that you don't know what it is that once they get there, uh, that it'll just have been, uh, too much. And I'd really like to see them wrap that up because really I enjoy the other episodes more, even though I think, when they open a season or close a season or have that mid season episode that involves Beckett's mother storyline, uh, that those are all really good and definitely more on the high drama side of things in as on the, the spectrum of the show. But I enjoy the, the, you know, the zombie episodes or the X file episodes or the, you know, the fairy tale episodes or all this stuff where they go into these different, things in different genres but they're very grounded in what they're doing uh, but they have a lot of fun with it and i i think i said last time when we talked on the the podcast last time i think we talked about the previous episode like what other show has a very a very big moment really between castle and beckett where they they sort of acknowledge things without fully acknowledging it the way they finally do in the in the season finale, but Nathan Fillion's wearing the zombie getup. But they have this really important conversation about their relationship. <laughs> I just think that type of stuff is, you know, what I think they do really well in the show. And the reason, and really the reason I watch, I don't really keep watching to finally find out what the big mystery is. I find I watch it to watch the relationship between all these characters and how they have fun with all the, you know, the various cases. Yeah, I completely agree. That's a really good point. Um, unlike other procedurals that often just do the whole case of the week and then add in some bit of character bit in the last five minutes, Castle really excels at, like, kind of weaving things in throughout. Um, and they make you care about, like, the supporting cast. I really like the moment between Esposito and Ryan in the finale, Um and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to next season to see how kind of the strain on their friendship plays out. I think that'll be a really interesting thing. Uh, poor Lainey. Will they ever give her something to do, though? I feel so bad for her. Like, she literally is one of the most useless characters on TV. 
And I mean, two weeks ago, she wasn't even in the episode. Uh, they had like a random other medical examiner. And I was like, did I miss an episode? Like, where did Lainey go? Like, I, I don't know. I felt really bad. So, yeah, that's just a little pet peeve of mine. But I really like And I also really enjoy Castle's home life with uh, his mother and daughter. I think that relationship with Alexis is fantastic. One of, like, it's nice to see a nice father-daughter duo where the daughter is, like, respectful of her father and not, like, you know, maybe that's just me being the old person. But... It's nice that she's not like a gossip girl, but also still like willing to have yeah like willing to have fun and stuff like that. Like the episode where she like gets mad at her father and says, you know, I'm too I'm too old for playing the games. But then in a little bit later, she comes repelling down from the ceiling with the you know with the you know the laser Paint, tag, uh, laser gun, the laser yeah. tag gun, you know, <laughs> and, and, and gets him. I mean that they do have a lot of fun on that side of the story too with the. See, I think a show like this that they have, you know, putting your character, you know, putting your stars together, I think you could do it and that there's still plenty of stories to be told with how they go forward dealing with things as a couple. And, you know, even how does that affect his home life, you know, with with Beckett around? How much more does, uh, you know, Beckett and Alexis, uh, you know, bond, uh, you know, all kinds of other storylines that they can go down that side of the that side of the story as well as just how they deal with sort of still working as uh partners now that they you know are sort of partners away from uh the mystery of the week or whatever as well i think they're a good enough crew that and other shows have shown that you can put your your stars together and still have fun you know <laughs> yeah. you don't have to keep breaking them up or not putting them together it's, it's not like it's going to be rosy from now on it's not like they're never going to fight or anything else uh but the uh but the idea that once your show you know the moonlighting of it all like the problems with moonlighting were not because they got their stars together there was so much other stuff happening behind the scenes it had nothing to do really with that but that's the show that gets talked about that way so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it next season. Me too. And uh, with that, we'll move on to Revenge, Season 1, Episode 20, Legacy, which was a sort of really... It wasn't told as a flashback, but it flashed back and told us more of the the story of after she got out of uh, the detention center and started learning more about what had really happened to her father. Uh, it, but it was it was a little weird because within that, telling a story showing us the story back then there were flashbacks within that from different characters that flashed back to even before uh so yeah that was uh what'd you guys think of the episode um i i liked some of the i liked i liked the way in which they kind of jogged emily's memory with the party and the flashbacks but i'm kind of starting to worry that well, the two things really bothered me about – well, three if you include, include the wigs for the characters, which were all ridiculous. But two things outside of that really are starting to bother me about the show. One, um, Emily seems to have developed this like superpower where she like can look at anything and then suddenly remember – what something happened 20 years ago when she was seven years old and like remember a conference like is she like um, unforgettable or something like i i that really seems to bother me because the writers seem to go to that well way too much and the other thing is the show has kind of stopped being 
and I don't know. It just it seems to be taking itself a little too seriously. Um, this is a show about a woman who's supposed to come back to the Hamptons and like wreak havoc on this like family and exact revenge for what they did to her father. And like, I feel like it's losing the soapy elements that you kind of want in a show like this, like a little bit of the crazy. Like, I don't know if anyone's been watching scandal, but that show is all kinds of crazy. And it's really been fun where like characters do these outlandish things. And I'm finding that like Emily and I don't know. I just, the past few episodes really have ever since it's come back from it's like a little spring hiatus it's kind of taken itself a little too seriously i think yeah i didn't care for this episode very much i i understand what the point of it was as far as kind of giving us more background information about the characters and all the bad things that they did but at the end of the episode we pretty much didn't learn anything new you know which i was expecting that there were that part of the reason for the flashback was that all of a sudden there would be, there was going to be some twist in the story that we didn't know, you know, that maybe, you know, that maybe something wasn't as it seemed, but there really wasn't anything. Yeah. We learned that, um, Amanda, Emily, that she decided that she was going to get revenge against the Graysons and all the, um, all their conspirators because they killed, um, somebody to keep their secret and you know sure that's important but really you know do we need a full episode to learn that I, I don't think so um, so in that regard you know maybe they just wanted us to see those ugly wigs I don't know um, the only other thing that it was that was slightly interesting was the whole Nolan buying Jack's family's home and uh, Jack's girlfriend overhearing and then, you know, knowing that Nolan's rich, going after him at, at midnight and kissing him. But I'm not sure where – what the point of that was either. You know, is there something that we're going to find out now in the future, in future episodes, that that's going to become important? Because if not, then it was also that's another story that's kind of like, okay, so what was the point of that? Or is Jack's mother going to reappear? And that's why we kind of needed to know what happened, that she didn't care about her her sons. I don't know. So overall, I was, I was disappointed in the lack of new, of anything new or earth shattering. Yeah, I think the episode was pretty good in that, you know, sort of playing around and filling in gaps of, of storyline where they've showed you in flashbacks or certain little bits along the way, you know, of her in the detention center, her getting out, her, you know, her meeting Nolan for the first time and other things that have happened, you know, when they found the picture of her at the party. So all these things were sort of laid out that it was a little strange in that they did like a whole episode that, just told that story like a whole story back then because most of the show has been telling the story now and then maybe five or ten minutes throughout an episode or something like that flashes back and shows you you know story from uh things from the past of what how they got you know how she got to where she is now so it was a little strange having a whole episode Uh, i think they did a pretty good job other than like you said Every time they try, you know, you have to go back a certain amount of time 
but not too far. So people sort of are going to look the same, but you want to make them look different so that you're say so that you can visually say that this is whatever six years ago or however long it was. Those things always sometimes get a little strange with like wigs or hairdos or, or things that they do uh, that way that sort of pull you out of even being able to get into the story. Uh, but overall, I think the episode was mostly just like their way to bring back a bunch of characters that have either been killed off or or what have you to to create this story. And it's almost this almost plays like a prequel to the pilot. Like this is this is the 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 real story in there where things changed and she uh, learned about what these people were like and uh, and decided. But to have this so far. Uh, into the series and have it be a whole episode like that was a little strange. The one question I have was um, at the end, because this was, uh, you know, at the end we see that Emily was basically kind of remembering some of this, it seemed like. And she, um, you know, I think part of it was to tell us actually that it's New Year's Eve because they keep jumping time. Um, so now we know when it comes back, it's going to be like the next year and that her and Daniel are still together. But beyond that, um, you know, it was interesting that she said, oh, uh, there's some people there I want to talk to. It's like, okay, is she have the, is she launching a new component of her plan? Is that what we're going to get over these last, I think there's two episodes left, um, for her getting more revenge finally. Cause that's what the, I think this show's kind of been missing since Tyler's death is really, um, Emily getting her revenge and, and the plot. So I'll, I'm looking forward to maybe getting back to that part of the story and maybe Daniel, that will kind of get the story back. I don't know. Like what well, we were I, saying was missing. I think that the, one of the, 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 one of the problems is like, Madeline Stowe does evil so well and she's they've kind of turned her into I don't know if they're trying to make her more sympathetic with her her ex-lover and how horrible Conrad's treating her and I mean well, they're, they're, they definitely they are like they're kind of trying to make her more sympathetic but I don't want her to be like I want her to be evil I want her to be like Lana Perillo once upon a time evil like she's so much more fun when she's causing trouble and I mean that whole subplot they introduced a few episodes back with the whole like artist lover was so bad and i just think that they have to kind of remember that it's a it, i just they're taking themselves too seriously like who get motivations or like making people like i don't know i just i just want i just want madeline stowe to be crazy and i think that will seriously add to the enjoyment of the show like if they're trying to turn this into a real like show about like marriage and how hard it is to like be married when you're wealthy in the Hamptons. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, you know, that's what like parenthood's for to see a real family. This is supposed to be fun. And I think they have to remember that. I also think they have to stop introducing. I actually, it's weird. Cause I'm so, I'm not a huge fan of procedurals um, generally, but I actually liked the, the first half of the season where she would kind of X off different actor, different actors, different like people every week and kind of get revenge on them. I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was kind of fun. And I think that they, they also 
the show suffers when it tries to like get too bogged down. Um, kind of like you were saying, Jason, about the castle. Um, it's like, no, Conrad wasn't behind the murder. It's someone else or this or this is like deeper and deeper and deeper into this whole pit of like, who cares? Like just make fun TV. And, um, lately it has not been fun. Yeah. I think the revenge aspect of it, like when it started, it was like, Oh my God, they can't do take a takedown of the week. Like you're going to run out of people. But now it's gone on where in the season where now it's like, when is the last time they had a takedown? Like, yeah, I, I like that the series showed that it could do more than a takedown of the week and that it had potential longevity past, you know, a, a first season. Uh, but it almost in the second half of the season, it things like spun out of control that there hasn't been an episode where there's been where you see almost like that leverage style takedown of somebody, you know, where she lays out some plan and then you see what she did at the end to, uh, you know, to make that happen. Uh, And so I think that is something that has been been missing. Well, you know, obviously I don't think they can do that on a weekly basis because then you'd have to have, you know, like hundreds of people involved in this conspiracy uh, and for her to have somebody to take down every week. But, I think you've got to have more of that than they've had in the second half of the season, uh, or at least show that there's been attempts there. It's gotten all bogged down in, you know, the, the murder trial and, and, and all these other things that have sort of pulled it away from where like the last takedown was the last takedown was basically Tyler before he reappeared you know, that almost seems like the last real takedown that the show has had, and that's been quite some time. No, that's a really good point. Also, Declan needs to die. He is a horrible, horrible character, and not so good an actor either. <laughs> and on that note, we'll move over to The Big Bang Theory, Season 5, Episode 24, The Countdown Reflection, the season finale. I have to be honest, I haven't seen the episode uh, but I did happen to catch the final scene just because um, I was watching Rules of Engagement, which I'm slightly embarrassed to admit. Um, and it always bleeds into that. And it was a beautiful final scene. I thought it was so sweet how they were all holding hands. Uh, I, I love stuff like that. I thought it was fantastic. And it's weird because people are always like, oh, you got to show them people like, you know, characters make out or do whatever. And it's like a little thing like that gesture of hand holding between Sheldon and uh, – Blossom, whose name I'm forgetting at the top of my head. Um, it's so beautiful, and it really says so much about their relationship and so much about the characters, and it was a great ending. And you guys can talk about the actual show, which I didn't see. Yeah, well, the whole episode sort of had that, you know, they do the, you know, the sort of the put-downs and, you know, having fun at each other's expense type of jokes and, and comedy that way. But they also, there's some heart to the, to the show uh, where – it's sort of built to that sort of final scene. The whole thing with the, with I'm, now I'm blanking on her character's name. Amy. <laughs> yeah, Amy. Amy Farrah Fowler. How can you forget? Uh, with her trying to get closer. Uh, was was that in the last episode? Because I watched like the last three like all in a row, and so they sort of blended together. But was it the final episode where? Was that also part of the episode where she was trying to get Sheldon closer to? No, I think that that was the episode episode before. before. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, but but it built off of that where she was trying to get, you know, raise his feelings for her. And then 
you know, everything that's happening around the the wedding, uh, you know, trying to get it done before he has to go on the earlier mission. And then you have that final scene. I think it, sh- you know, it shows that it's a very slow, you know, thing for their relationship. But it shows that those two characters have actually gotten a little bit closer. Like there is something possibly happening with that uh, relationship. And it was a very sweet uh, moment at the end. Uh, as they were watching Howard blast off into space. Yeah, I liked the episode, except for the fact I didn't care for the the setup of the episode where, um, like, the wedding was in flashback and, you know, Howard was kind of, like, in the rocket. I thought that was kind of an odd um, choice as far as the way the episode played out. But then that last scene that you talked about Daniel um, where you know Howard's about to take off into space and just they each grab each other's hands I that was I agree that was like one of the most touching moments that you know I've seen in a long time especially from a comedy and then for Sheldon to take Amy's hand I mean that's like a huge huge step for him and that moment made me forgive the fact that I hated the way that the episode was set up, you know, it, it redeemed itself by, you know, it was almost like it led to that moment. And so then I was like, okay, I get where you're going now. So I I can, I think it did. Uh, and I don't think that if you tell it straightforward and then he leaves and then the end of the episode is them watching. I don't think that that final moment plays the same. Exactly. As the way that they, with the way that they told the story. So uh, I think it definitely, definitely worked. And uh, they have become a really good ensemble. Like, yes, they all play off of each other really well. And the additions of uh, the, you know, the, the other two female cast members has been the smartest thing the show has ever done, you know, (laughs) because it's really uh, like even, you know, like in the talking of sweet moments, like in the pre in the previous episode where you know earlier episode where she finds out after his bachelor party more about his past life and he comes to the door and gives his spiel about how he's not that guy anymore and that she changed him and Penny's like that was the sweetest thing I've ever heard and it came from you you know mm-hmm. they they do those moments in the middle of the the style of comedy that they do that they do a really good job of, you know, keeping that sort of sweet, you know, sort of touching moments within, you know, within the, the type of comedy that they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, with that, we'll jump over to fringe season four, episode 22, uh, brave new world part two, which was thankfully the season finale. Though it could have been, it would have worked as Although, a series. Yeah, finale. It definitely could have worked. Except the last like thirty seconds, if they would, I think they would have left that off if it was a series finale. Yeah, it would, would have just dropped off the the observer coming to, to say that they're coming. Yeah, I I think if the, if it wasn't picked up, I have a, that's just my guess, but I think they would have left that part off, and it would have been it would have worked as a series finale. But I'm glad it's not. I'm glad we get thirteen more episodes. I have not seen it yet, so I will pass. <laughs> it's hard. Mace Weeps, there's a lot of TV on. I got to catch up. Yeah, I know. It's it's super difficult. Like, my DVR has been 
you know, right up against a hundred percent, like the last couple of weeks, you know, like you, you try and watch some stuff and then one night, like, like tonight, I think I've got like, you know, even though there's no castle and, and stuff like that, I think I still have like seven or eight things set to record. But yeah, I think it was, uh, it, it worked really well. The, the sort of, uh, they sort of had fun with the sort of the superpowers of the Cortexafan induced, uh, Olivia. And it was, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I just enjoy the show. They, they play within this weird world or two. Uh, and the, the, you know, the characters relationships that they've had and within that. And, uh, it's just, uh, fascinating to watch. I'm glad that the show, it's sort of one that deserves a finale finale to sort of everything that's been going on type of stuff, uh, that I'm glad we're going to get. Yeah, I um I liked the episode. I think I'm I don't know, I struggle a little bit with um letters of transit, the when we jump forward to 2036. As I love that episode. It's probably one of the best episodes of television ever that I've seen. Um which I don't know that I'll say, you know, 6 months from now, but coming off of it, but it took away a little bit from this finale because um you know i you knew astrid was going to be alive you knew william bell was going to be alive and it also led into um you know when olivia was shot like i had no fear that olivia was going to die like because you know that ada is going to be born so she you know it took some of that emotional um what could have been highly emotional moment away um even though you kind of lived it through Peter's anguish at seeing Olivia dead, but in some ways that seemed false because, you know, we know that she's not going to die. So I couldn't empathize with him as much as I would have otherwise. Plus I totally gave away with the whole, you know, pig's brain lemon cake thing in the first part, you know, how, you know, that with the, how, with the how she's fan and being, uh, yeah, the regeneration regenerative. So, I mean, it it doesn't mean that it was bad. I just, it lacked some of the emotional, like we talked about Castle and how that was just so emotional because you didn't know what was going to come and you just were sucked into the fight that they had. And then they're making up and, you know, falling into each other's arms at the end where this kind of lacked some of that emotion because of already kind of knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that sort of, that episode did sort of... uh play as like a giant spoiler in in some respects you could almost it could it could be that what happens in the finale changes things that that no longer is the future well no because they don't know about that future so they couldn't change it no that something that they do changes it like they don't know that they're they're not like setting out to do that uh just something happens that that changes the you know that that being the actual future so you know stuff like that but Ultimately, you looked at it going, that's probably where they're going to go next season, you know, especially going into this episode, knowing that there was going to be another season, uh, that it did play pretty spoilery to have shown, you know, things like you knew that he was going to, you know, that William Bell was going to get away at the end. Uh, yeah. you, you knew that Astrid wasn't going to die uh, and, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, it did. Uh, and I think it played as an interesting episode. That, you know, that previous episode that you were talking about, 
Yeah. But it almost was such a small little teeny part of of like that story that it it almost felt like a waste of an episode. Like Oh no, 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 no. Cuz that's where we're going to go next season. Well, I I understand that, but for now it seems spoilery for where we were headed for this season, but also it just didn't tell much of anything. It just sort of showed that there was a lot of observers around and it, yeah. it had this sort of little sweet story that ultimately, speaking of spoilery or knowing what's going to happen, you knew I knew how that episode was going to end as soon as the, you know, the blonde girl walked on screen uh, well, yeah. and, and you see that she had some sort of ability, then you like, you knew uh, it's like you knew what was going to happen. And so it didn't play all that great to me. I felt like it was so small of a piece of a story. I felt like you didn't get enough. It was like not even the setup. It was barely even a setup for like uh, the thing that uh, it just, it sort of felt so out of place and different uh, that uh yeah, well, it was episode nineteen. That you know, that's kind of their their thing. We won't get another one though. That's too bad. But I don't know. The one thing I guess the I'll have one to do that in, with like episode six or something. Yeah, exactly. the The one thing about the finale episode um, that was kind of touching, and which I think did that um, letters of transit did add value to, is um, you know now we know where Ida got the bullet for her necklace. Um, I mean, that's the same bullet. So. Um, that opens the one thing it does open is now, um, you know, there's speculation that in 2036 Olivia was dead because the observer had predicted that, you know, that Earth had said that all futures lead to you having to die. Well, she's already died now. So now is she alive in 2036 and we just don't know the rest of her story? Or did something else happen where she did die? So now. You know, I'm more thinking she's probably still alive in 2036. It's just a matter of where is she and what is she doing, which adds to the intrigue that that episode created. I, I guess it sort of added in there, but I don't know. I, I think it'll be more once you see where it goes in the next season, and you know, it sort of plays as a whole. Uh, then it, it'll it'll it won't maybe seem as much. But uh, I think that's enough of. Uh, of Fringe, and we can jump to the last show on our list, which is Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 22, A Land Without Magic, the season finale. Loved it. Um, with the exception of the special effects, which <laughs> just kill... I, I know it's TV, but, like, I don't know. They, they look so bad, and it's like, how cheap is ABC being? Um, it, was, it was a perfect finale. I mean, like, so often you get showrunners saying oh you know the finale is going to answer all the questions and then set up an entirely new something or other and but this one really did it i mean like i i i was so i was in fact so like they, they did things at the beginning of the episode i mean when uh emma tossed regina against the wall and like you know she believes now like i you, you kind of thought that was going to be how the episode would end but they 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 got they got that out of the way right away yeah when she grabbed the book and all of a sudden it was fantastic like right there I at mean, the beginning i was like wow already really you know it's I, I loved it i loved how they sprinkled in um characters 
that we met throughout the first season into the finale. Uh, it bookended beautifully from the premiere with Charming and Snow. Like the whole th- – it was so well done. It, it really shows how much thought um, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, the co-creators, put into the season. And then to complete – then that the, the – like to culminate with like the real the like it's weird the smoke monster I don't know when like smoke monsters have infested every TV show of ours the, like bringing magic to Storybrooke I like it it really does change the game completely you have no idea where the next season's going to go but like I can't wait to see what happens I mean they oh I cannot they did such a fantastic job of that finale I really can't speak highly enough about it I agree. Everything you said. One of my favorite moments is when is when Emma grabs um, Regina and just pushes her against the wall. Like you said, that just like I don't know. That was just like a turning point for Emma. You know, I don't know. And of course, you knew that she was going to kiss Henry to save him. I mean, that was there was oh for sure there, yeah. You know, there was a lot that was very predictable about the way the episode went. But it still went. played out really like, well because you cared about the characters. Exactly. It was like I didn't care that I kind of knew what the end was going to be. Well, I mean, not the very end with the magic, but up to the point right before that. Like, I didn't care that I kind of knew what was going to play out because it didn't play out exactly. You know, there was always something a little unique or uh, like you said, they used um, all the characters really well that all of a sudden a new character would and you'd be like, oh, yeah, OK, um, you know, Belle coming back. And the I know some people didn't like the drag, the dual dragon fights scene. Um, I liked the way that that played out because it really showed in the finale, um, you know, the, the fairy tale land and Storybrooke and how they kind of mirror each other at certain points in time so I thought that was really well played you know when she was pulled out her gun it's like no use the sword (laughs) Um, but overall I just really really loved it and the end you know it's a whole new game for the second season and I know I uh, interviewed Jane Espenson uh, last month at C2E2 and she said you know they have a plan for season two they know what it's going to be and if it's anything like the way they've constructed the first season, I think the second season could be, you know, even better now that there's so much more opportunity that they can do with the characters now kind of knowing who they are. So it'll be interesting to see if we still have the flashbacks. I, I really like fairy tale land. So I'd kind of be sad to see it go, but um, the special effects were horrible. The green screen, um, like there was the scene with Charming and you could see like the outline of Charming. It was kind of bad. But, you know, besides that, it's, you know, I'd miss Fairytale Land. Uh, they're definitely going to keep the, I mean, that's a huge, I think, a huge component of the show's popularity. I'm sure ABC has tested this and like, yeah, Fairytale Land's not going anywhere. First of all, Snow, we have to see how Charming and Snow take back the castle. Oh, like, yeah, they that's of, true. They kind of even planted that in the finale. So, I mean, they have to get it from uh, oh, Regina. So, yeah, like that's not going away at all. But, yeah, no, it really, it really, really, really was a fantastic finale. The whole season, I've just been fascinated with the show and that the planning that had to go into it to to create this, like you said, you know, this story basically tells you, you know, with him waking up snow, you see the story right before that, how it played just the way that they've sort of chopped up that story 
on the, on the other side, you know, on the fairy tale side, uh, the amount of planning that had to go into that so that each thing plays the way that it did, so that this finale plays this way, is, I think, a phenomenal feat of <laughs> of TV writing. It was like the anti-Lost, even though these people were involved in Lost. Yeah, well, I think they learned so much from Lost, and I, I, exactly. I, I'm not comparing the two shows because I think they're very obviously very different. Lost it, is... Exactly. I, like, I, if anything... One, the show, I mean, I don't think some of sometimes the writing and sometimes the acting is a little hacky in Once Upon a Time, but I love, the, I just love the whole set. I love everything about it that I'm willing to forgive a lot. So I don't want to put this in like the same league as Lost, which I think is a, yeah. its own show and a completely different discussion. But they definitely learned a lot in terms of the question to answer ratio. And they very easily could have ended this last night, Sunday's episode, with. They could have just left it. They could have ended it with Emma finding out, like believing. Like that's, you know, I think that's that would have been something that you might have expected, and they didn't. They they took it another step further. Yeah, where everybody, like, <laughs> where she breaks the curse, and everybody. The... I don't think people expected that for a first season, and I I applaud them for going for it. Cause they obviously know they obviously have a plan in place that's equally exciting for the season two. Yeah, and given the plan and what they executed in the first season. I'm, you know, totally looking forward to where this could possibly go, you know, what they're going to do with uh, a second season with, you know, Magic being now in in Storybrook or whatever they're going to do, however they're going to tell the stories. Just just the sheer ability that of how it was mapped out, I think, is amazing to me. Because I, I said that, I think I said this on the last week's podcast, we were talking about this show a little bit, was that, you know... Uh, regular or we've talked about it earlier in some of the other shows it's like you have a show and you know they may tag some backstory or onto an episode or there may be uh, an overall story for a season or for a series and you basically want to hit like these five things over the course of a season or something like that so when you're handing out writing assignments to you know your writing staff they're writing an episode about whatever but they just need to add in this within their script. You can't, this had to have been so mapped out of like, when you're writing this episode, you've got to know, like you've got to know the whole thing. You can't just know, you know, what's happened up till then really uh, to be able to, to do this series, to be able to run a season like this, to give you a finale like they, they had. Uh, I think it's just fantastic. And really the reason I watch is for this out of anything is the storytelling style. Just uh, I find it just something very interesting to watch. And I think you're right in that they have done better. They have done a good job of setting things up, making you wonder about things, but not forever uh, that you get answers to, to questions within episodes and, and then to give such a big thing, like, wow, you broke the curse, but everybody didn't return. Like, the curse is broken, but breaking the curse didn't send everybody back to fairy tale land. You know, so that's sort of like the big thing, like, what happened there? What's happening with him bringing, trying to bring magic? Uh, you know, what, what has he been planning or trying to plan all this time? It brings new questions, but it answered all kinds of stuff, uh, I think, is, is really good. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I think uh, that'll wrap up our uh, 
our prime time segment. So much for the hour that I said that we were going to go. I always <laughs> <laughs> Okay, last on the list is a couple of TV on DVD picks. Uh, these are coming out on Tuesday, May 22nd. Uh, there's actually a few uh, interesting things coming up, but uh, I picked, uh, I'm re- sort of recommending uh, Sherlock uh, Season 2. It's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. It's playing right now on PBS, but if you actually want to see the whole 90-minute episode of each one, you need to get the DVDs because they've cut eight minutes out of each episode to show it on PBS. you got to love when PBS is cutting eight minutes out of a show so they can play ads. Um, that makes no sense to me, but anyways, uh, Carla, what was your pick? I picked Teen Wolf. Um, it, you know, I think it got a little bit of a bad rap last year. People are like, ooh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like the movie and it's, you know, going to be uh, kind of a comedy, but not, and not take it seriously, but, um, and it was on MTV and it was, a really interesting look at um, somebody that gets bit and becomes a werewolf. And there's no vampires. So people that don't like vampires, there's no vampires in the first season. And I would just recommend that you um, give it, give it a look. If you like any kind of supernatural type show um, or romance, there's romance. Um, you know, he falls for the wolf uh, hunter's daughter. You know, of course, there's the, uh, you know, you got to throw that in there. Uh, and, you know, there's good friendships and it takes place. They're all in high school. Um, the guys are all attractive. The girls are all attractive. So if you, you want some Wait, candy, an MTV you show with attractive people. Wow, I was hoping that, one of you would mention that. You know? that that's really that's really risky. That's really you know I don't know if it's going to work. No, I have to say Teen Wolf definitely is a, a if you yeah if you didn't see the first season it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, it's yeah when you think Teen Wolf you obviously think of the Michael J. Fox uh, you know a sort of comedic movie take on the thing that they sort of took that idea of somebody that turns into a wolf in high school. Uh, that and that's basically the only thing that's the same, roughly. It's really more. Well, there's also the well, like it's more he, Vampire Diaries than yeah you know, than than the Teen Wolf movie. Instead of basketball, he plays football, or I'm sorry, he plays um, lacrosse. Is it lacrosse? And you know, so there's that little you know the component of that he is has strength and. He goes, you know, from being weak to being strong. But, it's it's um, sort of, it's sort of more Vampire Diaries or Smallville than any than anything else. Uh, I don't and, think saying it's Smallville is actually a, an endorsement of the show. Um, Vampire Diaries, so. yes, but you know, <laughs> t- telling people it's like Smallville is probably not going to get them to watch. Well, There's sort of a that's that you know the the guy that's sort of the geeky weakling or is supposed to be type of thing becoming more of the the hero or. You know, when, once he ends up with these abilities and and stuff like that, it's. Uh, but I'm just saying it's more on that side of things than on you know like the goofball comedy. Although his mm. friend provides a lot of you know comedic comic com- relief, you know, yes. the comic relief in a, in a series that's played pretty straightforward, more drama than than anything else. Uh, it's it's really more yeah like a, a teen drama with uh, werewolves. 
The one thing that makes that really made me want to recommend this um, for people to catch up is that MTV just released a trailer for the season two. And let me tell you, it looks like some stuff. I'll, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast or not. Um, some stuff is really going to happen in the second season that is just, I mean, I was blown away by the trailer. I watched it a couple times and I was like, I want to watch it now. That they really took the first season and it looks like they're even going to delve deeper into the um, werewolf mythology and um, kind of that world. So it... If nothing else, give a look to the the trailer and see if it looks like something that you'd like. But I really, I surprisingly really enjoyed that season, um, especially as a summer show. Yeah, looking forward to the the next season. So, so check those out on uh, on DVD if you'd like. Uh, we'll have uh, you know we'll have links to those at Amazon uh, on the on the website at uh, tvtimes3.com slash one thirty five, where you will also be able to find. Uh, links to the thousand places that Carla mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and uh, where you'll be able to find Carla and Daniel uh, online at Twitters and websites and whatnot. And uh, that that will do it for uh, this week's episode. Next week, uh, Amory and Ray will be back and we'll be covering all the announcements from the upfronts uh, this week. So we'll be taking a look at the, the schedules and any of the new shows that look interesting to us and and all of that. And uh, with that, uh, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Streets Makers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thanks for both of you uh, coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great. Went a little longer than uh, I thought, but, you know, that tends to happen. Please... Uh, rate or review us on iTunes or Zune or any place else out there uh, if you like Zune. the show. Uh, Who, people still have Zooms? I have no idea. Is that a thing? Uh, apparently, <laughs> uh, the, you know, BlackBerry, uh, we're on Stitcher, uh, stitcher.com slash TV, and uh, you can get the app on the phone. It gives you streaming audio. We sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.